Hello 49ers fans, it's 49ers fangirl Tracy, and I am joined as always by Miss SoCali Steph. Hey Steph, how are you? Hi Tracy, how's it going? I'm good, I'm good. I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, we have David Lombardi from The Athletic, and I'm a big fan of The Athletic and big fan of David and his writing. So welcome aboard, David. Hey, yeah, um, it's good. It's Back when I was in ESPN, I wasn't allowed to come on things like this, so it was uh, about 52 things better about this job than the old one. There's there's literally nothing that's, that's worse about this job, so uh, thanks, for, thanks for subscribing and, and checking it out. We're having a lot of fun, uh, even in a year for the 49ers that hasn't been great for, for them as a team. I think that there's been a lot to talk about, especially recently, so it's been a lot of fun. Well, and interesting, interestingly enough, although it is a year that hasn't been great from the 49ers, you wouldn't know it by the coverage over the last week or so. Um, there's about as much excitement around a 2-10 and 10 team as possible with the addition of, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but they have a quarterback... <laughs> And his name is Jimmy Garoppolo. He came from that New England team, and he's been a big hit so far. So far, yeah, so good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned two, you know, two and ten, and, and the, the attitude doesn't necessarily, necessarily reflect that. And the, the 49ers, they, they take some criticism right now for, you know, being a little too joyful, even though they're, they're two and ten. And I, I just... To be honest, I'm a skeptical person. So last year at this time, they were what? They were 1-11, I think, at this time. Yeah. And th th I think they would deserve all the criticism that, that they should get for being 1-11. And, and based on what I've heard, I wasn't in a locker room yet last year. Um, it was, you know, there was a lot of apathy and it just wasn't a, a, a good vibe. But I'm actually one of those people that thinks that the 2-10 and 10 this year and the happiness that's and the optimism that's accompanying it is warranted. And I think the people who are criticizing them for that are in the wrong this time. Because entering this season, it was never about, and, and if you talk to Jed York or you know, Kyle Shanahan, any, anybody who was judging this team and its performance, this was never a wins and losses kind of year. Next year will be. The pressure will be on the win. But this was a year to find the, the, the pieces and evaluate the roster. And the big piece, as everybody knows in the NFL, is quarterback. Everybody seems to be looking for a quarterback now. The, the line for a quarterback this offseason is up to like 15 teams probably. And the 49ers just cut the line. They got their guy before everybody else. And th to be honest, they might not have been competitive for a good quarterback heading into the offseason at 0-16 or 1-15. So it's a good thing they did from their perspective. And, and now they have him in Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that the optimism is, is really warranted because they have already accomplished what uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that they set out to do this year, and that's find a quarterback, and they did it early. And I was in the locker room quite a bit last season, and the difference in this 2-10 and 10 team and that 1-11 team is enormous, just in terms of, like you said, the attitude in the locker room, kind of this the, the whole vibe was completely different, and that's something this team has never had which I think has been a positive, even before Garoppolo. I think it was a positive that this team was a tight-knit team, that they were an optimistic team, that they understood what this year was about. They bought into the coach. They bought into the GM. And um, I think it's really helped. And I think it's helped Garoppolo do well. Granted, we have a one-game sample. But I think it's helped do well. And, and he talked about today that 
it helped from the time he got there, people were inviting him to hang out and it was a tight knit locker room and everybody was very welcoming. And I do think that is part of why his communication with his receivers has looked good and why things have so far so good, because that makes a huge difference. The attitude does make a huge difference. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, I think that it's, it's, it, they had to pull the trigger, I believe, in everything that David had to say. And it was, I think these young kids needed some hope at this point. They needed, um, they needed some sort of, you know, motivation going forward. And I think it was important that not only they got the win, but they got a leader to lead this team. And that's important at this juncture. I mean, you can't keep losing and keep the same mentality day in and day out and, like, just have losses. And I get what was going on, and I think they still remained hopeful. But at some point, you need a win. And I think it was important for him to come in, start, and then win that game. And it was a winnable game. So it was good that they, you know, were able to actually execute. I mean, that's what really needed to happen. And now they have two wins. Who would have thought that would happen? On the the winning front, especially since there's a big crowd of people that that seem to write this year off as, as, oh, well, if we're already bad, why don't we just, you know, lose as much as possible so we get a really high draft pick without – Really acknowledging the fact that this isn't fantasy football, that this isn't just this simple equation of oh, go zero and sixteen, go one and fifteen, get a draft pick, and uh, everything is fixed. That, I mean, I think that's the, the the trap that the Cleveland Browns has, have fallen into, and and they haven't been able to get out of it now for a, a really, really long time. You are dealing with human personalities. You are dealing with a extremely competitive, violent sport where. It's you know a requirement to fully invest yourself uh, in the task at hand to have any success. I mean, it's really hard to run a crossing pattern when you know you're going to get lit up by but by a safety. <laughs> you know, and and, and if, if you can't fully invest emotionally in this game, it, you're 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 going to be bad. And, and and I think it takes some success to be able to fully invest emotionally. So for the 49ers to be good next year, for them to be good in 2019. They need to know what it feels like to be successful. And, and success in the National Football League is defined by wins and losses. So you can't just go 0-16 and expect the draft pick to fix things. You can't become the Browns. You have to get a few wins. And I think along those lines, of course, Beathard is the one that got him the first win against the Giants. That was really important as far as the psychological aspect goes. But I, I think for to, to build on that success, because you, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same. That's, that's a quote that football coaches love. Well, that they needed Garoppolo for for that next step, and and after about a month, he was ready enough with the playbook, and the the line was healthy enough for them to throw him out there without fear of him getting decapitated. Which was a completely valid concern um, when he first got there. But I, you know, the thing is with draft picks, it's funny. You know, football players don't think that way, and like you said, you have the Browns. They think that way, but I don't think successful organizations think that way. And what has Shanahan said, like the last couple of weeks, that. It's building on not hoping you can win, but believing you can win. And you're going to have to win a couple games, like you said, David, to believe that you can win. Um, and I think they're going to play well the rest of the season. I think it will you know, get some momentum going next year. And I think the Garoppolo move is also a good move because he is a veteran quarterback. And even if he hasn't been a starter yet, he's a veteran quarterback who's certainly learned from two of the best. Um, 
And I think that that also makes a difference for this team. And Steph, you mentioned how many young kids are on this team. And in football years, 26 is older and, you know, gives, gives some veteran perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just, it's exciting. It was refreshing. It was fun to watch for the first time. I think it's been, it was tough. Like, but, you know, I actually, you know, <laughs> maybe as a fandom in me thought that the 49ers were going to be somewhat competitive against Seattle. And it wasn't like that at all. So it was actually really a good game to watch and to see, you know, things kind of come together a bit better and to see the plays called and it quarterback able to execute it and it was just it was fun and it was one of the more enjoyable games to be able to watch and I think fans need that as well I mean we've kind of gone through a lot as I've said before it's been pretty heartbreaking a few years so I think um you know I think it's needed for the fans I think it's needed for the organization I think it's needed for the players it's just it's important all around so it's really exciting Phil Barber calls it garoptimism and I think that's <laughs> I think it's a fair term. <laughs> I think it, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, he wrote a story about it the other day, and it was I was like, that is a good one. Gur optimism, um, and I I'm think optimistic. Yeah, we're we're all gur optimistic. Well, and it's funny that and you translate that to the locker room. Today was the first time ever this or this season, the first time this season that a player, and it was Kyle Uzcheck, told me. We only have four games left, and I really wish it were more. Um, a few uh-huh. weeks ago, nobody was saying that. A few weeks ago, they were saying, we have eight games left, and I wish it were less. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, people just wanted to, you know, what, eight, a few weeks ago, it was like, okay, we have half the season to go. I wish it was just over now so that we could go home, pick number one or number two in the draft, and, and uh, let's circle the wagons and, and, you know, come back next year. And now... The mentality is, oh, I want this year to go longer. Um, and it's not just Garoppolo. That, that's obviously the biggest part of it. But um, I, I, think, you know, I think the team has healed up a little bit. That, that, that's important, too. But as I wrote um, the other day, you know, the quarterback position has such a domino effect on, on everything. Um, and I think that you couldn't have drawn up a, a better result for the 49ers on Sunday as far as the quarterback position and Garoppolo affecting the whole team in a good way. Um, the, the, the defense, for example, one of the, mm-hmm. the huge storylines of uh, negative storylines, and there have been a lot of negative storylines this year, there always are when the team is bad, has been the defense has been exhausted for the 49ers. They've been on the field more than any other team in football with, what, 779 plays, I think, uh, entering the last game. They had played... Uh, over a game and a half more than than the average NFL defense over the course wow. of those twelve games, and that um, you saw it in those five straight losses early in the year. The the same thing happened in every single one of those games. The defense just you know broke down at the end. And Buffalo right. comes in, converts all these third downs, knows how to control the flow of the game, and lo and behold. The 49ers are on the field defensively for only 36 plays, which is their lowest since 1991, over a quarter century. Wow. So it just completely changes everything for the defense, and those guys are happy. They don't have to go to the cold tub as much because they hate going to the cold tub. Um, you know, the people are less sore, and, and yeah, this is the whole locker room wants, wants to play more. So it's, it's stuff like that, that that I think snowballs in a good way. And if the 49ers can keep it up, even if they lose against Houston – if, if Garoppolo can control the game flow the way that he did so masterfully in Chicago, 
um, you're just going to have a good vibe that are in the off season, and I think that's what they want because this off season is so important. Oh yeah. Oh, this, yeah, this is definitely one of the most important off seasons we've seen in a long time. Um, but let's talk about the Houston game. Uh, let's let's preview that a little bit, shall we? Um, sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, why not? We're here, so let's do it. Um, I think it's a slightly tougher game than Chicago. I don't know that it's that much tougher because of the, all the injuries that poor Houston has suffered. I mean, that team has certainly not been immune to the injury bug, um, and they have lost so many players. I mean, I think they had six players leave the game on Sunday, and I believe two of those players are now on IR, including Bruce Ellington who I know 49ers fans are not surprised that he is on IR. The poor guy can just not stay healthy. Um, but I think this is actually a, a winnable game for this team. This, their defense ranks pretty far back in most categories. I think they're 28th in points allowed. Um, so I think this could be another winnable game for the 49ers to build on for the future. And I think it would be important, too, because then their last three games this season are all against playoff-caliber teams, and that's going to be a lot harder yeah um uh, early in the season when everybody was dropped down from houston and i and i guess more has, has happened recently that turned in my mind from uh, a, a game that this you know would just be another going to the motions two touchdown three touchdown loss yeah even when bethard was still starting i kind of circled that on the calendar as uh you know a potential win watch and, and that was something that we were all doing back when uh, before they won that first game against the Giants, you were you were looking at the schedule and you're trying to find a win. And I, I know Houston wasn't at the top of the list. I know that the New York Giants game was near there. I think the Bears game was a popular pick mm-hmm. for some people, but that Houston game was considered semi semi winnable. And, and you know now it's this is what it comes down to, and this is why the 49ers were losing so much earlier, and, and this is why a team like the Green Bay Packers went from, you know, the NFC title favorite or one of the, the NFC title favorites to, to an afterthought is uh, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Is, it's, it's a quarterback's league, and, and, and if you have a better quarterback than another team, then, then you have a really good chance of winning the game. And this is Jimmy Garoppolo against Tom Savage. Um, so I think that tells you all, all you need to know about uh, the, the, the gut feeling of, of people entering this game. I mean, I could look it up right now. Um, I, I would be surprised if the 49ers aren't, if they're not favored, I'd be surprised if they're not close to favored in this game. Uh, Houston by two and a half. Yeah. So the 49ers are right there and, and that's, that's a road game that they're, they're, they're underdogs by less than a field goal. And, and you know, I, I would almost uh, be inclined to, if I were a betting man here to, 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 to bet on the 49ers just because, um, uh, they have the better quarterback. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think too, and I I think um, what I like about Garoppolo is that you know he has touch, he has the ability to understand like defenders' leverage. Um, he's able to make the throws, and he's able to use the run game where it's needed. I think he just plays smart, and I think it's important uh, going into this game. And I think I think they, you know, Houston can definitely be outplayed here. So. Um, I'm just hoping. Go Niners. <laughs> well, I, I think that we're going to see no matter what, like whether win or lose, I think we're going to see this offense come together even more. He'll have had another week with the playbook, another week with his receivers. I mean, something that was so clear the other day was how good um, his communication was with his receivers, especially Trent Taylor and Marquise Goodwin, obviously. 
But I think we're going to see even more of that, and that's encouraging win or lose. Um, I think this is – I absolutely think this is a winnable game, and um, I'm with you, David. I even thought when C.J. Beathard was starting it was winnable. I feel much more confident about it now. But I just think we're going to see a lot of improvement on the offense, and if he can control the game in a way to give the defense rest the way they had the other day and keep them off the field for longer – then I think this is a, a very winnable game because a lot of those guys are back and healthy and won't fall apart, as David mentioned, in those five games like they did. And you can't even blame them. I mean, you're out there for that long. I'd, of course you're going to fall apart, no matter how good a defense you are. Um, so yeah. I, I think this is, uh, you know, could be a very good game. I think Reuben Foster had a great day the other day. I mean, I think in Chicago, um, you know, one of the lost storylines, I mean, we've talked about it, but somewhat lost in the excitement of the day, of course, was how well the defense played. Um, and Reuben Foster had another just fantastic game. I mean, he's just all over that field at all times. And if I'm going Reuben Foster versus Tom Savage, my money is on Reuben. If I were a betting, if I were a betting woman, which I am not. <laughs> well, and, that and, and you have, I think you have a lot of exciting pieces the, the, the 49ers have built their, or you could, they haven't built it yet. It's it's under construction, but they're the, the way that they're building this defense, and I think is really clear is is from the middle out, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you got a defensive tackle in, in DeForest Buckner in, in the in the middle on the front, and then you have Foster. I know he's not technically playing middle linebacker now, but even though he's listed as a weak side linebacker, he's lining up in the middle all the time, right next to Brock Coyle. So he, he's an interior guy flying from sideline to sideline. And and the, and the most recent addition to the exciting trio of, of youngsters is is the free safety is, is Adrian Colbert, who's, mm-hmm. who's out there in the middle, who, who played, you know, he played w- without a cast with a broken thumb a few weeks ago after he broke his thumb in the first quarter. And then he played again yesterday. The thumb is still broken uh, on Sunday. I mean, he played with that with that thumb. So you've got to love the mentality that you have from your, you know, your hard hitter, your really fast free safety. I mean, you talk about quarterback versus individual player matchups, you know, Tom Savage is either matching up with Adrian Colbert. He's the guy that can disrupt a lot out there in the middle on those longer routes, or he's matching up with Reuben Foster on, on the shorter routes, the tight ends and to, to running backs. And when, you know, you talk about the quarterback being so important, I think, the, the interior linebacker and the free safety, especially in this 49ers scheme. And if you look at the Seahawks scheme, it's the same thing. It's Bobby Wagner and, and, and Earl Thomas. The 49ers have, really like the two guys they have at those at those critical positions. And and I think that's why they feel that, you know, that this is this is going to be a good offseason as far as leaving a good taste in their mouths uh, with these last four games. And speaking of the yeah. offset, oh, sorry, go ahead, Steph. No, go ahead. You can do it. It's fine. Uh, oh, I was just going to say, David, I would love to hear from you just kind of your thoughts on this offseason, what what you think they should target in the draft, what you think they should be targeting in free agency, and just kind of a little bit of your thoughts on that. Uh, well, I, I've kind of isolated it, or I guess isolated would be a bad word because there's so many different areas that they need to improve, but I've broken it down to four or five groups, um, not necessarily in this order, but but this is in a perfect world. And Hey, the, the 49ers may be close to a perfect world as far as their ability to spend mm-hmm. and, and combined with their draft pick this offseason. You know, people always talk about, oh, those are so many needs. There's no way they could get them all in one offseason. Well, this team has a surreal amount of cap space to be able to, 
to, to, to spend money here if, if they want to. Um, and, and unless they win a little too much here later in the year, they're going to have an excellent draft selection that they may be able to trade if it's high enough, mm-hmm. right, for somebody who needs a quarterback and, and get a ton more picks. So I think if the 49ers, I would argue, if they play this offseason right, they, they can get a lot of these pieces that they need and it would be an example, yet another example of parity in this day's NFL. A team going from horrible to really good, and <laughs> we see it happen a lot, right? So anyway, with, with all that cap space, with the, the potential high draft pick, the 49ers need to find, I think, a second cornerback. I really think Akella Witherspoon's one of their guys, but I think they Dante Johnson's going to be a free agent, so you find another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need to find a second edge rusher, or, or just two edge rushers, you know, because Elvis Doomerville's not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you need two edge rushers to, to be a really good defense in, in, in the NFL. So uh, they, they need to find an edge rusher for sure. Um, those are the two pieces on defense they need. Uh, oh, oh, well, and, and then linebacker, we're, we're not sure. I think linebacker's lower on the priority list because Malcolm Smith is coming back. I'm not drinking right. that Kool-Aid yet, but but I, I don't think Brock Coyle's the answer um, at, at linebacker. He's so you not. find one more but, but that's further down the list, I think, right? I think they need to get the cornerback and the edge rusher first because not, when Malcolm Smith comes back, you'll improve there. Maybe not to an all-pro level, but you'll improve. So those are the three spots on defense. Then on offense, you, you sure as hell need a, a good receiver. Like this is It's crazy what they're throwing out there right now. Yes, Trent Taylor's a nice piece. Yes, Marquise Goodwin's a nice piece. These are not... You know, these are not receivers that scare anybody, though. Marquise Goodwin, Marquise Goodwin scares you when he's paired with a couple other really good guys that are the one and two, and then he can run deep. Trent right. Taylor scares you when he's the three or the four, and he's mm-hmm. in the slot working those, right. those mm-hmm. routes the other day. But you, on top of Garcon, I think you need, like, an Alshon Jeffrey. Um, Alshon Jeffrey is going to be a free agent leaving Philadelphia this year if they don't re-sign him. And he's 6'3", same measurement as, as Julio Jones, who had so much um, success with Shanahan in, in Atlanta. So you, I think if you spend a lot of that money on, like, a big-name receiver that goes along, and then it makes Taylor and um, Marquise Goodwin just awesome because they're the three and the four. That's that's where mm-hmm. they live. That They get to work against slot, guy, uh, slot defenders. That'd be great. And then you need the interior line. Right, you need Kilgore's yeah. having a bad year. Maybe get a new center, or and hope that Joshua Garnett's big body makeover is a smashing <laughs> success at, at left guard. If it's not, then find somebody else. But I don't, I don't think Lake and Tomlinson. I, I think we could all agree that that, that that that's been a huge point of weakness for the 49ers. I don't um, know so. why you say that, David. I don't. I don't yeah. know why you say that. <laughs> well, if there's a reason that the quarterback <laughs> almost has gotten decapitated this year, it's maybe been. Uh, his fault. It's but, maybe been uh, Lake and Tomlinson. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah he, there's been a lot of hurries allowed by him. And, and and Kilgore has not had a good year either. He's given up a lot too. But Kilgore is also, you know, trying to set the protection and doing everything that the center has to do uh, while dealing with three different quarterbacks. So there's a little right. bit more of an excuse for him because mm-hmm. he's got a lot more responsibility on his plate. So those, those are the needs. That's the rundown. What do you think about, I mean, Shannon said that he was not, worried about using the franchise tag so that being a lot of money do you think that's going to impact free agency uh yeah so you could backload a lot of these contracts though which is nice so the franchise tag will cost and and it's it 
to be honest, it really sounds like that's the way it's going to go with Garoppolo. Yeah. Although they said if, if he really is lights it up in the last few games, he might that they might be able to pull the trigger on a long-term deal. But then again, Garoppolo also, also has to agree to that, and he, he's still testing the 49ers out a little bit as well. But, if, if hey, if everything you know goes perfectly here over the next four weeks, Garoppolo buys in, and, and, and he likes the, the 49ers prospects of the future, and, and it's you know reciprocated. Maybe they can sign a long-term deal. Um, that being said, since they are projected to have like $100 million in cap space, even that $24 million dollar hit for yeah. Garoppolo wouldn't be the end of the world this year. Um, and they could backload a lot of the other contracts that they that they signed this offseason. So they, the bottom line is they have so much space. And with you know just good negotiations and smart construction of these contracts, franchise tag or not, I think they can make it work financially um, for, 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 for next year. It's just a, it's an unprecedented amount of space they have because they've been being cheap for the last couple of years. And, and this year was by design. It was, it, it's okay. So, so now they get to, now they get to finally let loose with some of that money. Yeah. I don't, money. I think money will literally be no object in this particular off season um, for this team. I think there's a lot of excitement. I think for the first time in a long time, 49er fans can have something to really look forward to realistically in 2018 um, and really have something to look forward to in, in 2019. So this team definitely feels like it's moving in the right direction. And I think last season at this time, that is not something that you felt anywhere. So Yeah, there was no direction last season. I mean, yes. hiring Kip Kelly and pairing him with – you know, a dead man walking essentially in Trent Bulky. I mean, I think everybody, everybody on the outside except for Jed York, um, saw that that was going to blow up. Like I, I, I just didn't understand. I thought that was a wasted year last year, and 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 so that, that they finally did what they had to do. They finally just blew everything up and started fresh. You know, it was a rotten foundation. You couldn't build on it anymore. Um, you had to raise the whole thing to the ground and. And, and, and dig back into the soil there, and, and they, they have. Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that because uh, th- th- there are quick turnarounds in the NFL, um, but hey, th- this could be a quick two-year turnaround. It's just that on social media, people want one-game turnarounds, and I think right. that's why that's why there's been some slack this year, but I think that I think that if you look at this long and hard, or not even looking at this long and hard, if you just take a quick look at this, you could see where they're going with it, and they've already made a huge step with that Garoppolo acquisition. I would yeah, agree. It's definitely exciting. It's exciting. And I, and I do praise Jed York to at least see where he went wrong, and he kind of admitted his mistakes, and he's willing to backtrack. He's willing to put his money where the mouth, you know, his mouth is. And I think it's important. I think it was important for the fans, but the organization, too. So um, that that part is good. I think he changed a lot of the brass that really needed to be changed, and he, he's creating a new culture. And a winning culture is not overnight, and he understands that. So it's an exciting time. It is. It is an exciting time. Uh, well, David, thank you so much for joining us. You were an exciting guest to have on during this exciting time. So thank you <laughs> very much for, for joining us today. Oh, yeah, that was great. Anytime. Just let me know when. Absolutely. Well, um, have a good rest of your week. Uh, have a great time in Houston. And uh, I'll see you next week, David. And Steph, I will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, David. 
No problem, guys. Talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.